So hello everybody, welcome to the podcast The Clueless Doctor and as always this is your host Sankalba Chakma. In this episode I will talk about transport across cell membrane. So 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 far I think um ever ever since I started this cell biology cell biology series, you know, I, I think it was last year when I started talking about the cell the cell membrane and all the different organelles in the cell so now after quite a few episodes and some time we have come to this topic so so the cell membrane if um if i have to sort of recap it is the layer kind of like the wall which surrounds the cell the single cell separating it from the outside from the extracellular matrix and the other cells so however the cell is not isolated it does interact with other with, with with the other cells with other molecules so so you know like the cell does take in a lot of nutrients in and gas gases like like oxygen carbon dioxide from the outside but it it also has to expel certain waste products from 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 its own and also sometimes if the cell is particularly like um say a cell which which, which produces a hormone like the cells of the pancreas which produce insulin so insulin has to go out of the cell you know make its way to blood and then do its actions so we see that a lot of substances have to pass across the cell membrane now if we remember the cell membrane is a lipid bi-bi layer so it is made up of fats and the central portion of it is kind of hydrophobic and the and the outer layer is hydrophilic so it's not a very sort of like a permeable membrane like it doesn't allow substances to pass that easily it's very selective so so that brings us to the to the question how do substances pass across the cell membrane and that's what we are going to talk about in this episode so so broadly speaking substances can pass across the cell membrane in three different ways it can be either to either through passive transport or active transport and then vesicular transport so Passive transport, I'll just kind of give a brief overview of these three different ways before going into detail. So in passive transport, substances usually pass without requiring any energy. So this is, you know, this is passive, doesn't require that much of energy. Whereas in active transport, substances, the transport of substances across the cell membrane does require some amount of energy. And this is needed because the substances are usually they have to pass against their against their gradient say normally substances pass from an an area which has a higher concentration concentration to an area which has lower concentration but in active transport as we often needed in some instances when despite there being low concentration in some area so substances will have to pass from that to the higher concentration so this requires energy in the form of ATP that is active transport and lastly there is the vesicular transport in which substances 
don't move so directly on their own they are first kind of you know pa packed into vesicles vesicles are sort of like these shuttles they they, they they are like these sacs inside the cell or they might come from outside so they so they are packaged into these vesicles and then they are transported out of the out of the cell or into the cell so let's talk about passive transport then so as, as i said this this kind of transport doesn't require any energy and substances just pass spontaneously from an area of high, high concentration to an area of low concentration so for example say in the in the in the lung cells where the gas exchange takes place so oxygen and carbon dioxide they actually pass across the cell membrane according to according to according to passive transport they just diffuse so for example oxygen is more in the i guess in the alveoli in the air sacs in those you know in those air sacs so there's this kind of pass from the alveoli to the blood just like that with diffusion and also because oxygen and carbon dioxide they don't even require any special transporters in the cell membrane they can just penetrate it so that's diffusion and diffusion too can be sometimes you know it, it can be other of it, it can be of two types it can be passive or facilitated so what i just mentioned right now oxygen and carbon dioxide passing across the cell membrane this is an example of passive transport because like i said they can just penetrate the cell membrane on their own however there are some substances which cannot penetrate the cell membrane just like that for example glucose and um, say say for example in the intestine say after we after we have taken a meal so there's a lot of glucose in that intestine and and so that that is the area of high concentration in glucose and so glucose has to pass from the intestine to the across the intestinal cells to the blood now in the intestinal cells and in the blood glucose concentration is low low so um so glucose can actually can actually just um diffuse through the cell membrane on, on its own in, in with with passive transport but glucose itself is not like it cannot really pass through the cell membrane on its own so that's why there are some kind of um, transporter proteins present on the cell membrane so these are called glut glucose transporters and there are many different kinds of glucose transporters and they just vary in their location some are present uh, more specifically in the brain some some just overall everywhere <laughs> and some get activated by insulin so these glute transporters they facilitate the diffusion of, of glucose from across the cells so that's, that's an example of facilitated transport then the other kind of passive transport transport besides just diffusion is osmosis so osmosis is nothing but say you know I mean this is something osmosis is such a is such a basic chemical con chemistry concept we all studied in high school so what's happening here is that you know water will say there is a sol there are two solutions and there there is a semi permeable membrane separating both of them so the i think that the most um, easy and basic example that we learned in high school was that say there are two water water containers and they are separated by a membrane <coughs> which 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 allows water to pass so in in one jar 
there is much more sugar concentration and in the other there is less sugar concentration so water will pass from the you know um, from from the area from from the jar which has more more water concentration or less sugar concentration to the jar which has which which has which has more sugar concentration or less water concentration so there is osmosis and and water actually in in the human body it, it doesn't need it doesn't need that that much special transporters although there are some special transporters which can transport water across the cell membrane like aquaporins but many a time water can just kind of diffuse through the spaces in the in the cell membrane between the cells through os osmosis so those two are the different kinds of passive transport diffusion and osmosis now coming to active transport so <clears throat> to to just recall once again active transport is different from passive transport because this requires energy and substances will pass from one from an area of low concentration to the high concentration so it goes against the gradient and there are two types of active transport one is primary active transport and the other is secondary active transport so what's happening in primary active transport is that there's a there's a there's a structure which will kind of use atp and and using that energy from the atp it will it, it will it will cause substances to pass across the cell membrane <coughs> against their gradient so a very good example of this is the sodium potassium atps pump which will which will pump potassium ions which will pump three sodium ions out of the cell and pump in two potassium ions inside the cell so this happens against the gradient because sodium is actually present more outside the cell and less inside the cell but despite that the sodium will go out of the cell so that that is happening against the gradient and likewise for potassium potassium is present more inside the cell yet it is coming in, in inside the cell by this pump <clears throat> and, and and then there is the secondary active transport so here there's a secondary active transport is a, is a little bit difficult to understand and i and i wish i had kind of like a diagram or or kind of like a board to draw and and make you understand so so we don't i don't have that because this is a podcast so i just have to ask you to rely on your imagination so imagine there's a cell and 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 and, and a very good example of the a very good example of secondary active transport would be in the intestinal cells once again so what's happening here is that um imagine there's the intestinal intestine the lumen of the intestine the the inside of the intestine and lining the intestine are these intestinal cells and just adjacent to the intestinal cells on the other side is the that that's what we call the basolateral membrane so there is a sodium potassium atps pump on the basolateral membrane of the intestinal cells which will pump sodium out from the from the intestinal cell so uh, what happens is that there is there is very little sodium inside the intestinal cell compared to its basolateral side so 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 there is a so now there is a pump on the luminal side of the of the intestinal cell which is called the sodium glucose co-transporter 
So this co-transporter, as the name suggests, it will transport two substances, two substances, and so, so, so it will transport sodium, and sodium will go inside the intestine from the, from, go inside the intestinal cell from the intestine because, like I said, sodium is 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 in decreased amounts inside the intestinal cell, so that that will just happen on its own. But along with that sodium, glucose will also will, will also add, will attach to the sodium glucose transporter. So both sodium and glucose have to be attached for the transporter to work. So like this, both sodium and glucose are 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 getting transported across the uh, intestinal across the luminal side of the intestinal cell and then from the other side there are some other I guess um, transporters so as you can see here the sodium glucose transporter co-transporter didn't really utilize energy on its own but it used the energy energy it, but it used the gradient uh, which was set up by the by another by, by, by another primary source that's the sodium potassium ATPS pump so this is that is why this is called the secondary active transport. So that's about active transport, the two kinds of active transport, primary and secondary. Now moving on to vesicular transport. So vesicular transport, like I mentioned before, this so here the substances they they have to be first packaged into some vesicles, and then the vesicles they will come come in or go out of the cell. So you know, um, the, the transport can be in either directions. If the substances are being are being taken up by the cell from the outside, so that is called endocytosis. Endo meaning inside. So, so what happens here is that suppose there's a substance uh, adjacent to the cell, which which the cell wants to bring inside. So, the cell membrane will first of all it will just kind of surround the substance like you know extending fake arms around the substance then it will uh, then then it will just kind of form a vesicle you'll just kind of you know take take it surround it and and form a vesicle that vesicle will go inside the inside the cell and then probably fuse with the other organelles like lysozymes lysosomes and then those substances will be degraded whatever substance the cell wanted to take in so then there are three types of endocytosis and all of them they they all take in cells in in, in a, they all take in substances from the outside in the same general way but they differ in some ways so I'll, so I'll explain them so these three types of endocytosis are phagocytosis pinocytosis and receptor mediated endocytosis so phagocytosis um if you are familiar with biology or if you are a medicine student, you are pretty much familiar with this. So phagocytosis is a process in which large, large particles, you know, such as bacteria, dead cells, or, or, or even other foreign particles, they are engulfed by the cells. And the cells which, which, do, the, which do this work of engulfing these large particles, they are called phagocytes, because they are, they are specialized for this purpose. And examples include white blood cells. Then, so that's phagocytosis. What is pinocytosis? 
And what's the difference between pinocytosis and phagocytosis? So there's not much difference in the overall mechanism, how the substances are taken inside the cell, but the difference is in the size of the particles which are taken up. So in phagocytosis, the substances which are digested or take, taken, taken up by the cell are kind of quite big. They are more than 0.2 microns. And, and substances much smaller than that, they are taken up by pinocytosis. And this happens in a non-selective manner because pinocytosis is non-selective. So you'll just kind of, you know, it'll just kind of um, think that thinking J is not specific for any substance. It'll just kind of take in any substance in this way. So a lot of substances actually are taken inside the cell in this process through pinocytosis, like amino acids, sugars, fatty acids, enzymes, and even antibodies and hormones. Then the last one, the last type of endocytosis that is receptor mediated endocytosis so this is also pretty much similar to pinocytosis because this too will take up small substances inside the cell but the difference between it and pinocytosis is that receptor mediated, <coughs> mediated endocytosis is very specific so so for example um you know only it, it will only take in certain substances certain certain um, products for so say, say suppose substance a wants to get inside the cell through endocytosis so that so that selective substance it has to first bind to its specific receptor in the cell membrane and then the cell thinks oh yeah this is this is some this is the thing that i want want to take in so so the particular mechanism is that after that substance binds to a specific receptor on the cell membrane a, a, a pit a, a clathrin coated pit clathrin is a kind of protein so that that coated pit is formed which will in, which will invaginate to, to form a vesicle and then this vesicle they are taken inside the cell you know they are fused with the lysosome as 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 it happens with 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 every endocytosis process so substances which are taken in in this way through receptor mediated endocytosis include low density lipoproteins ldls they are a type of fats in the body transferrin which is involved in iron transfer i guess insulin and epidermal growth factor which is a growth factor so that's about endocytosis the three different kinds phagocytosis pinocytosis and receptor mediated endocytosis now what about substances what about the process in which substances have to be take have to be expelled or taken out of the cell through vesicular transport so that is called exocytosis you know a very familiar pattern exo means outside endo meant inside so endocytosis means it, it refers to the process of taking in cells taking substances into the cell exocytosis refers to the process in which the cell will expel substances out of its out of itself so there are a couple of substances which are released from the cell in this manner most um, most prominently neurotransmitters from neurons hormones from endocrine cells and also digestive enzymes from pancreatic cells so what are the different steps the general steps which occur in exocytosis so first of all the substances which have to be expelled from the cell say for example some hormone has to be 
has to be expelled from the from some endocrine cell so those hormones have to be first synthesized by the by translation by <laughs> by transcription and transcription and translation from the gene so after they are synthesized they are packaged into vesicles in the golgi apparatus so you can if you if you don't know what golgi apparatus are they are, they are a kind of organelle which take play which take part in processing of you know substances produced inside the cell cell i made an episode on golgi apparatus a few months back so you can go back to that if you want to know more about it so the so first of all the substances which are going to be expelled out they are packaged into vesicles and then these vesicles they are transported to the plasma membrane because from the inside of the cell they have to go to the very much borders of the plasma membrane so they go to the plasma membrane along along the cytoskeleton filaments so I also talked about cytoskeleton in one of the previous episodes, so you can go to that if you want to know more about the cytoskeleton. So the, so the vesicles, they go to the, go to the plasma membrane, and at the plasma membrane, they stick to the plasma membrane with the help of some specific proteins called snare proteins. And then the, the, the lipid bilayers of the vesicle, even the vesicle has its own bilayer surrounding membrane. So the membrane of the vesicle will fuse with the plasma membrane and a pore a kind of like a hole will be formed in the plasma membrane through which the substances which have to be expelled they are expelled out so that's how the substances are expelled out through exocytosis and and, and once the substances are released then the, then that vesicle can actually come back inside it to the cell and it will get recycled so that is <coughs> in short how, ex how exocytosis occurs yeah, so I think I have covered all the different ways in which transport across cell membrane can happen. So just to recap, um, transport across cell membrane is important because this cell has to has to exchange a lot of products from 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 inside to the outside or from the outside outside to the inside. It has to take in a lot of gases like oxygen and expel carbon dioxide. Also taking a lot of nutrients like amino acids, carbohydrates and expel waste products. There are three, broadly speaking, there are three different ways in which substances can move across the cell, mem cell membrane. Passive transport, active transport, and, and vesicular transport. Passive transport doesn't require energy. Substances move according to their concentration gradient, and this can be either through diffusion, or which, which is again of two types, passive or facilitated, or it can be through osmosis, besides diffusion. Active transport, on the other hand, requires energy because substances move, move against their concentration gradient. And active transport can be of two types, primary and secondary. Primary, in primary, the energy is being utilized directly. In secondary, the energy is, not being, is, is, is being used indirectly, sort of like from a, from a different source. Then in vesicular transport, substances, they, they, are, they are packaged into vesicles, sacs, and, and, and this can happen in both directions. If the cell is taking in substances in this way, it is called endocytosis, which can be of three types, phagocytosis, pinocytosis, and receptor-mediated endocytosis. Phagocytosis takes in large particles, whereas pinocytosis takes in small particles. Receptor-mediated endocytosis also takes in small particles, but this is much more selective. Then when substances have to have to be expelled by the cell through vesicular transport that is called exocytosis and this process 
which as which I just mentioned involves a couple of different steps. So the vesicles have to be formed, then they are transported to the plasma membrane, then the layer of the vesicle fuses with the plasma membrane, and a pore is formed and the substances are expelled. So that is how substances are transported across the cell membrane. I hope you took something from this episode because I try to explain things very simply. But even but even being so simple, I mean, I still talk for for like 24 minutes. So yeah, you know, maybe I was a bit detailed, I don't know. But, but I think this was a good episode and I hope you do something from it. And I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Take care.